Ah, welcome aboard. Whether you arrived here by accident or on purpose, whether you appeared, maybe perhaps you bought a ticket to a movie and you ended up in the wrong theater. However, we're always right here and it's always right now. Welcome to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations where we introduce full impact mindfulness and help people explode into their lives. We're looking for people who would like to create themselves rather than find themselves. There are no admission fees, no tuition, just the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. If you have a few pixie dust sprinkles of each one of those, welcome aboard. If you're welcome nowhere else, you're welcome here. And as always, behind the desk is our good friend and co-producer, Mr. Mike. And today we're joined by Miss Santina Grace. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Could you share with us how you and I connected? Sure. Yeah. I met. We met in an event, um, actually, where I was uh, doing some psychic mediumship readings. Um, and so we just kind of connected and I started to talk to you a little bit about my experiences from my, the beginning, I guess, of my existence of what I can remember. And, and we didn't quite do my whole life, but at least my early childhood. So perhaps mm-hmm. in your, in everyone's life out there, you walk into a room and you can sense the vibrations you can walk in and it's just like when you walk into a room and you can look at someone and immediately you don't like them so i can actually see and feel energy i'm what we call clairvoyant and also empathic so i when i'm focused on it can see everyone's auric field i can feel empathically what's going on with them emotionally physically uh, mentally sometimes even spiritually So um, I don't do that all the time. I don't walk around in the world fully open like this. It would be extremely exhausting. Um, So what I've done over the years is train myself um, when to pay attention to that and when to just let that go. And as we often introduce, when we introduce mindfulness on this show, it's not floating around on a flying carpet. (laughs) It's merely paying attention on purpose and being aware, learning how to be a non-judgmental observer, which is difficult. So... I came up and I sat down and we had we had a very nice chat mm-hmm. and it's just it feels have you ever been with somebody and it just feels comfortable Santina yes well that's the way I felt with you well, that's good. Uh, and I'm glad you humored me uh, however let's go back to your past no one hatches right now uh, it's our past that propels us to the future could you talk a little bit about when you were young Sure. So from as early as my memories go, I have always remembered seeing or feeling or experiencing something of a spiritual sense. Um, From one of my earliest memories at at a family party, I remembered seeing an individual in a wheelchair and the venue where I was, the person's house, it was it was all stairs to get in. And I was maybe four or five years old and asked my mother, you know, how did that person get in here? They have, they're in a wheelchair and they're over there by the fireplace and they're not talking to anyone and they're just staring at me. And I remember her response was, what person? There's no one over there. And then I went on to describe her and she fit the description of my great grandmother. And I could feel my mother's fear hit of like, well, that's my, you're describing my great grandmother. She actually said that. And, um, 
that's hard for a little kid to feel the you know your mother is freaking out by by something that you're just observing so when we're four years old uh perhaps you were a bit more aware however most four years old have no conception of time much less death yeah, yeah. i mean and then i i guess i i just kind of felt that okay uh she doesn't see this person and I see this person and she's identifying this person. I just thought, well, I'm going to sit with it and I just let it go. And, um, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of children talk about having imaginary friends. Yes. That's a very commonplace thing. And I just was more vocal about my imaginary friends, I suppose. Um, I, I mean, I just remember always being surrounded by folks in spirit. And I remember also being a child, being woken up in the middle of the night and having a lot of spirits in my bedroom mm. and just kind of standing up and getting up out of bed and saying, you know, I need to sleep. Do you remember when you, you were in bodies and you needed rest and sleep? I can't be bothered with this. And they legitimately went, but it took me a while to get to that place. So there would be most people who would be, to use the term, scared out of their minds yeah like if you've seen the movie the sixth sense the little boy when he sees some of the spirits he's not quite sure what to do with it i knew what i was i knew that i I kind of feel like there was a knowing inside of me that other people may not see this some people may other children sometimes did have an understanding of what i was looking at my my younger sister did so um it helped to have other people that were having a similar experience around me to some degree. Did you feel that your mother believed you? Um, I think, I, you know, and I don't think I've ever actually thought about whether she believed me or not. I knew that she was afraid of it. So I knew that that was a boundary for her. And that was one that I didn't really want to push. And to be honest with you, I just wanted to be like a normal kid, like any normal kid. Um, and so I just decided at a very young age, I don't want to look at this. I don't want to pay attention to this. So I just kind of pushed it back and suppressed it to some degree, but on purpose, because I just wanted to be me and have an experience and live my life and not be focused on somebody's passed away person that's next to them. Um, and I kind of, I kind of believe that we all have spirit guides and, and people that assist us in the spirit world. And I basically asked them, please let me just put this aside. And when I'm older, I'll pick it back up again and I'll do something with it. At that point, I didn't know what that would be, but I, I did. And um, Did anyone ever sit down with you and explain to you what was going on, what, what they believed that you were experiencing? Uh, not really, no. But, but I was lucky enough that when I was growing up, there were shows on television. I remember John Edward was one of the very first ones. Um, there was a show called, I think it was called medium or something like that all before, you know, Teresa Caputo and stuff. So it helped that there were a lot of things on television that reflected a lot of what I was experiencing. So in some ways it validated a little bit of some of what I was seeing and feeling and noticing. And were you comfortable enough to share this with your friends? No. In fact, I wanted people to get to know me as a person and then maybe this other thing about me, you know, and, and there may still be people who don't have a context of, of me in this way. It's just a part of me. It's not who I am or 
doesn't define me or make me up in any way. You know, just like anyone, any anyone has um, things about themselves that that make them uniquely themselves. So that's how I view this. So your mother, you talked about your mother being fearful mm -hmm. of this, and quite often what we do on this show is on help people understand that fear is one of the most fundamental emotions that a human being feels. Mm -hmm. And one of our most quoted persons, George Adair, stated that everything that we want and desire is on the other side of fear. So was your mother able to label and identify what that fear was? You know, I've I've talked to her about this episode and she doesn't really even she tells me she doesn't really remember okay. having the conversation with me. But um I mean, right now, both of my parents fully accept and appreciate what it is that I do because they've seen it. They've witnessed it. Um, some of my family members have as well when people pass. So, Were you ever cautioned not to tell anyone? Um, I can't really remember. I know that I just felt like I'm not sure what people's belief system is, and it's not something that I felt like I wanted to go and impose upon people. I didn't need to run and you know, sing it from the rooftops that, oh, yes, I can see, you know, I can feel what's going on with you, or I can see somebody who's passed away that's connected to you. So you, there's various forms of clairvoyance, mm -hmm. and you're also an empath. Mm -hmm. Tell us about being an empath. So uh, the life of an empath is interesting, and I come across a lot. There's more empaths in this world than what you would realize. I think to some degree, many of us who live in a very mindful, pur purposeful space are empathic because we understand that we're all connected and we understand that, you know, my actions have, you know, a reaction within another person. And so I think that, you know, just being an empath in the world, you understand that, Yes, you're going to feel other people's emotions sometimes, or you might feel their energy, or, or their energy might even affect yours. And um, it, it's about learning how to find your own center and how to find your own kind of inner strength and truth. And, and to also be able to kind of, and I teach a technique, it's a breathing technique, where you connect into all of your energy centers, all of your chakras, and you allow kind of like, I call it wiping the slate clean, where you use an in, and a cleansing inhale breath to kind of recharge your all of your energy centers and your chakras. And then this exhale just like kind of allows you to just let go of anything you may have like, I call it like static cling. You know, people's <laughs> energy statically clings to you. <laughs> I like and, and I say, you know, you could pick this up when you're just standing at the grocery store and somebody's mm -hmm. having a bad day. You can feel it. It's palpable. You can feel when someone is agitated. I mean, I'm sure you've ever been in a space where someone gets up and makes a big scene. You feel it. You feel it in that way. Well, there's much also evidence behind what you're talking about mm -hmm. the show and explain exactly how it works. Mm -hmm. Our brains are a really magnificent instrument. However, it can also, uh, I always say, magicians use sleight of hand. Our brains can use sleight of mind. Yes. And it's interesting, too, when you can see people's energy fields, how they're affected by each other. And you can see, you know, if someone walks in and they're calm or they're happy, you can watch them raise other people's spirits just the same way that you see someone come in and their energy is dense and heavy and just draws a lot of people down. 
Well, one of the most common chanting mantras is Om So Hum, I am that, meaning that in the Buddhist Hindu world, it's uh, we all believe we're made of energy. We're all made up of the same type of energy of the birds, the rocks, the trees, the dirt. And so we're all that, where I am that, which translates into the Buddha's precept against intentional killing, which why would I want to kill something which is part of me? Right. Yeah, totally. I had a really profound spiritual experience um, that kind of really solidified that for me. And I actually saw it with my own eyes. I um, was in the woods and I, I had made a, a Native American hand drum. And I just went into this kind of trance-like state. And when I came out of it, I noticed the spider web was on my drum and it connected to a tree that connected to another tree that connected to the ground that connected, and it just went on infinitum. And it was like, I could trace this web everywhere. And then suddenly I lost the definition for things and I lost the sense of myself. And I had this overwhelming sense of connectivity with it. And man, what a beautiful moment that was for me. And again, that's a, what you're talking about is in the Buddhist term, Nagata means no self. Yeah. And I, I just, I, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Having that's, I guess, the closest I could come to describing that and really feeling that. So, me. however, what you some of the things we talk about, we help people do is we disconnect to connect, right? Okay, and I know that this world's so full of sight, sounds, and images, and we're being bombarded mm -hmm. uh, with all of this information every moment, 24 hours a day, and it seems like people are addicted to that and feel like we're missing something if we're not part of that. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, I think is important is, is that we all kind of learn how to disconnect. Like you were just saying, you know, it's really important to learn what recharges you. Well, quite often we help people learn how to hit that reset button, even if they have to do it many times a day by paying attention on purpose. And also that one of the concepts that we try to get across to people is that we're spiritual beings, we happen to be having this human experience, and it's the human experience that doodles us up and our concern with it, and that life's absurd. Yeah. I oftentimes tell people, remember, you know, this is just a meat suit that we wear. <laughs> this is temporary. What's inside of us is the thing that we are, and it's formless and timeless. And Right, when we talk about the inner beauty, but how does it... How did you handle being able to walk around and feeling people's pain? Um, you know, you do learn to kind of disconnect. You, you do. You learn that because it's a survival mechanism, because you just can't feel all the time. Um, so to some people, you know, I remember growing up um, being, you know, in high school and, and junior high and walking down the hall and just having saying hello to people, but not really being present, not really being there and kind of insulating myself and not really paying attention to like feeling. I, I just kind of disconnected because who wants to feel teenagers? You know what I'm saying? Everyone's awkward and in this stage of like feeling um, self, you know, very self-critical and all this. So. Okay. So do you think that you were perhaps in jail, you'd be called an old head because you were perhaps uh, a little bit disconnected. You were 
what I like to call a few standard deviations away from what their norm would be? Yeah, probably. I mean, I had to disconnect just for survival because I, I would have been completely drained every day. So how did this interplay interaction socially for you? You know, it's funny because like what I would do is just make a lot of jokes. I was class clown. I really learned to just kind of focus my energy in spaces where I could try to raise the vibe rather than connect to a space where it's yucky or whatever. So So who did you have to actually share these things with and discuss and say, hey, here's what's going on in my life? I mean, I guess, I mean, I never really did feel like it overwhelmed me because I really shut it down Mm -hmm. when I was growing up. Um, but luckily when I finally, so for most of my childhood, I really did suppress it and even early adolescence. But then once I got to be in around college, a lot of my visions, my psychic visions started coming back Mm. so much so that, um, you know, when, when I would go out with friends, I would see what could potentially happen if we didn't, you know, if somebody didn't, that wasn't the designated driver. And I remember seeing this whole experience and experience explaining it to a friend of mine and I said you absolutely have to be dry tonight because I saw this car accident I saw it happen here I saw it happen at this time I looked at the dash and I described the vehicles involved with it so we go out that evening and we come back and she was she upheld it she was fine and we watched that accident that exact Mm. accident and she was like how did you know that happened and I said I don't know how I know these things I'm just glad you listened to me and that we were safe. So I'm sure that you are well aware that should you go to a psychiatrist or a therapist, somebody who wasn't open-minded, mm-hmm. that they would want to medicate you. Yeah, for sure. And I would absolutely say no way. Just because so many of the things that I have seen or experienced or expressed to people legitimately make sense and they legitimately end up ultimately either healing or giving some sort of resolution um, or or in my case, keep me safe. So when did you come to the point where you decided that I don't care whether they think that I'm lying, crazy, real? How did you get to that point where you were comfortable with yourself and says, hey, I know who I am? Uh, I, I mean, I probably felt that way. I would say sometime in my like late 20s, early 30s, something along those lines, because I think I had matured to the point and I had done a lot of spiritual work and internal work on myself as well to know what my truth is and what I'm about and what my mission is. And and I know that my soul's work is to to use my gifts for the best um, and to help people in any way that I can. And if I can connect them to someone who's passed over so that they can have some resolution or so that there can be some communication between them or or something along those lines, then I'm going to do that. I'm happy to be a tool for that. So what we often help people do is to decide that we suggest to them they can get angry as if they choose that being a mama or a daddy or a brother or a sister or a friend or an employee doesn't define who you are. It's your values and your choices that define who you are. And we help people clarify that. And then we suggest to them that there'll be a better mama, better daddy, better brother, sister, or whatever. So it sounds like you had to do a lot of this work on your own. Yeah, I really did. But I'm I'm glad that I did because in that there was a lot of self-discovery. I mean, I really did. But, you know, it's interesting because 
the more that I think that you're open to other people, the more you can understand that there's similarities that you have with them, even though it might be a different type of an experience, you know? So how did you find these like-minded people? So lucky for me, I ended up, and this store doesn't exist anymore, but it's steer in my heart. There was a bookstore in Swickley called the Open Mind Bookstore, and I found it, and I found a community of people that just got me. And so I, it was wonderful to finally have this kind of community. And then there was another store um, that was called Journeys of Life, and um, it was just a, a wonderful, supportive community of people that were, they all understood and and. and it just felt like a home. It- Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.